Welcome to Everyday Animism, a weekly podcast exploring all things animism, particularly how animism impacts everyday life. The podcast is hosted by Kelly Harrell, Brandis Schnabel, and Janet Roper. Let's dive in. Happy Tuesday. Hello there. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, it's not Monday anymore, and for that, I'm grateful. <laughs> That's something, right? It is. Hi, Janet. Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, Janet. Good. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. I forgot to feed Raven, and I didn't want him howling through the episode here, so he is now fed and content and quiet. Life is good. Awesome. So, um... We had discussed ahead of time that we wanted to dig a little further into that idea of the guilt of being imperfectly animistic, where we, uh, you know, we feel like we're not getting right, we're getting it right, we're not animistic, quote, enough. Um, And just to kind of unpack all of that, because I think I I said something last week about, you know, that sitting in that guilt is avoidance. You know, if we just exist in this guilty state, it doesn't really serve us. It doesn't really serve the planet, doesn't serve us, it doesn't serve our relationships. Um, But I also didn't offer any sort of insight into like, how do you step out of that guilt? And um, I know that I don't think any of the three of us have a magic solution to it. But I thought, you know, maybe a launching point is just to talk about where we feel, feel that guilt in our own animistic practices and kind of explore where that might come from and what it could be instead if we were to kind of unpack it a bit. So anybody want to jump into that? Where do I not feel it? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's the problem. I don't, I don't even know where to start. I, I feel like for me, I could pick a million instances where I feel like, I I feel like for me, it is rooted in this guilt of not being a person who lives a perfectly zero carbon footprint, um, a hundred percent green life, you know, whatever that is. Um, So, you know, when I was, you know, when I had my daughter, it was like, what is the best way to deal with diapers? Diapers are a reality. Um, you know, it's just, there, there's no way to do modern life without having an environmental impact that's more than we used to have. And for me, trying to live a manageable life while also trying to, for me, it, the guilt is where I feel where where I feel the impact I'm having on the earth that wouldn't be there if I wasn't there. And it's not necessarily serving. I can relate to that through the fact that we generate more trash than I could have ever imagined possible after having kids. And, And we're extremely conscious of that. I mean, we're conscientious of what we bring into the house and how we're going to get rid of it. And still it's, it's, it's obscene. And when I think about that times, you know, the rest of the United States alone, it's, it it doesn't inspire good feelings at all. When I think about myself with this, the first thing that comes to mind is that I have literally half a century plus of doing things in a non-animistic way. 
And so part of it for me is realizing, yes, this is time to change. Yes, I can do this. And also giving myself a break when I accidentally do something that I've done for decades, uh, even though I am consciously changing the way that I am in relationship with the world. It still takes time. It takes practice. And sometimes for me, it's, I literally, this is no joke, I literally have to write out a script that when I go through the drive through I have to say, no straw for me, please, today. And that's in the car. Yeah. I, I feel like that is the guilt that, that is not serving anything. Mm-hmm. That, that The guilt of like, I got it wrong previously. That and that's that's where my statement last week came from was like when you're sitting in a place of like <laughs> I mean I didn't I didn't necessarily know better or I didn't get it or somehow it wasn't anchored in me and I just like I've had a really negative impact. I could have done better and I didn't for whatever reason. I lived a life that was not very environmentally friendly and shit. You know, like how many straws did I use? How many disposable diapers did I throw away? How many, how many time, how many years did I spend not recycling at all? Um, And there's literally nothing to be done about that. If there is something to be done about it, then you can move from that guilt into whatever the thing is you can do about it. But if there's nothing to be done about it, from my standpoint, you know, that guilt doesn't serve anything except to keep you from stepping forward into like, you know, how do I, how do I lessen that? And for me, it is about lessening. It's, you know, I don't have, I, you know, I could maybe go, you know, do the, I have no impact on the planet thing, but I'd have to give up my life. And in choosing not to give up my life, I have to figure out how to make peace with the balance of it, of not being, and, you know, what does perfectly animistic mean anyway? You know, are we expected to have no impact at all? And, you know, is it more about the, you know, minim- minimization of our of our footprint? I think that's exactly it. And what you already touched on, which is when you know better, do better. And that's that's how I deal with it. I mean, in in scenarios where I understand how to better dispose of things or to just better um, manage my own feelings around how I didn't do things in the past. All, all of that is more sustainable than it was. And giving myself credit for that has to go a long way because I feel like there's kind of a collective tone of fatalism right now in in how we're living in humans period being on the planet there are too many of us and the way that we're living on it is not a way that maintains balance so i think it can just be really easy or for me anyway to get lost in that collective part of it and i have to bring it back to as an individual it's my job to not just change the methodology but to change my mind around it and yeah, and for me, I think um, changing my mind around it, you know, the the most we can do is be present for the mm-hmm. conversation that's continuing about how to do better and continue to incorporate that where it's able to be incorporated. There, there are ways in which I am just always going to have a ne- negative impact on the planet. And yeah, that's, it's not great. It's not ideal. Um, but if I'm tuned into the conversation about 
who's finding new ways, who's finding the best ways to minimize that, you know, I'm showing up in the way that I can. I think when it comes to changing our mind, first of all, that's a really big thing, not to be underestimated, but also in changing our minds. And as we work differently and present ourselves differently, we can become role models, so to speak, for our neighbors. And in conversations, you say something like, well, you know, I've been thinking about this thing with the straws and here's what I'm doing. And by example, maybe showing them how to do things differently. Yeah, and I think we have to remember that trees don't feel guilty for taking up space. They don't feel mm -hmm. guilty for growing. They don't feel guilty for the resources that they use. And they, they specifically in ecosystems are masters at understanding how to keep balance. And I, for me, trees are a crazy role model from a shamanic standpoint. And I look mm -hmm. at that as kind of a, a model to stay aware of what I'm using, what I really need, and what the space around me needs me to uh, manage better. Yeah, I think that the guilt is, um, it's such a human, specifically human problem. It's not nature's problem. It's not, you know, trying to engage a certain way with our environment. You know, that it, it really is, it's just, it's, you know, nature already is in balance. Nature already is. And I think so that I think a lot of what we're talking about here with the guilt is about our environmental impact. But I know there are ways in which I feel guilt around simply not being connected with my environment, which exactly. does ultimately, I mean, it, it does ultimately impact those other things. I, I don't want us to just become a podcast about, you know, environmentalism, which I think is a huge part of it, but also you know, what is just my relationship with my space? So for me too, I have guilt about how much my house has become this disorganized place um, because I had it, you know, I'm sure this is a common problem, but I had a kid and balance just went out the window for a few years. And so, you know, this spring I've outsourced the outdoor stuff. I've, I've really found comfort in the fact that like, I don't have the time and space and energy to do the, the spring cleanup, but I make sure it gets done. And I hire someone that I'm, I'm happy with how they do it. For me, this seasonal change has for some reason, and maybe it's this podcast and this ongoing discussion, but it has me thinking a lot about the structure that's on that space that I, you know, quote own and, you know, where there's found, you know, we're, we're getting some concrete balanced so that, you know, we're protecting the basement and we're, we've been doing some cleaning out of things and looking at making the space more usable so that we are more likely to show up outside and connect with the space that we've chosen to caretake and actually show up to caretake it too. When you first asked the question about, you know, how, how do you deal with the guilt or, you know, the components of what leaves you feeling that way, that's, that's the first place that I went. And I think that that for a lot of people in the West is intangible because we are so disconnected from the outdoors and we don't necessarily think of our spaces as, uh, relationships. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the structures that we create or the land, the land spirits that we live among, we don't necessarily include them in our definition of family. And yet they absolutely are. I mean, they, they're very much participating in our well-being 
and us in theirs. And I, I try to be so mindful about that. Literally the, the clutter space, you know, clearing aspect, but also being able to go out in the yard in a, a spiritually mindful space where I'm not doing yard work. I am there yeah. for the focus of just being a spiritual being in that space, which is filled with spiritual beings. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of uh, thing that I am striving for right now is looking at, you know, like outdoor patio furniture that's a mess that if I went outside, I would just fret about it and Mm -hmm. try to figure out what to do about it, try to figure out what to do about the deck that needs, you know, repainted and steps need fixed. And um, all of those things are things that prevent me from going outside and just saying hi to this beautiful, like triplet triplet elm in my backyard and enjoying the daffodils and you know I I turn and I look at my daughters just running around picking daffodils and blowing you know the white ones blowing the seeds and running around feeling her feet on the grass and I'm like oh this deck is falling apart and this Mm -hmm. you know it's I want to start to address some of those things because they are mine to tend so but but also so that I can go outside sit sit on that deck and simply enjoy the breeze, look up at the dogwood that grows out of my deck and, you know, enjoy that space. That that's part of my responsibility in tending the part of the space that's mine. One of the things I realized this morning, as I was thinking about um, this podcast was that when I was growing up, I was taught, I was shown by example that the house is a protective barrier from the outside and there's no commingling of the two and that when you go outside you go outside to work and heaven forbid that something like an animal a bug mud should come into the house and I was realizing today what an impact that has had on me and I'm so thankful to be able to have realized that and now to be able to consciously change that and look at it differently and I've been doing it unconsciously for years but now that it's in my consciousness I don't know I feel like I can celebrate it or accept it or something Yeah, that's a good point, that division. Um, And I mean, we're allowed to have some of those boundaries. But yeah, that I feel like I it was also instilled in me that, you know, nature was outside, and it's not inside. And, you know, I think it's a lot more complicated than that, too. There was also a lot of guilt instilled in me if I wasn't outside all the time when I was a kid, too. It was like, you know, we we were shoved out the door first thing came in when it started getting dark and um, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but there's, there's comfort inside as well. I was a huge book reader, you know, like there are a million ways to connect with space. Um, I don't know. There's just so many ways in which we can engage in that, that whole guilt conversation, even in terms of not even external space, but you know, the guilt of, if everything is a person and is this entity with, you know, agency, the body I live in also, like what kind of care do I take of it? You know, not just me, the essence of me, my soul, but like the physical body I'm using to walk around and and navigate the world I'm living in. How do I take care of it? Um, How does it sometimes just fail me? And, you know, that the whole navigation of like health and wellness and exercise and all of that plays into animism as well, from my perspective. Absolutely. And I think um, part 
part of my guilt is just sheer adulthood. Because when I was a child, I was raised with a grandfather who had an animist perspective. He would have never used that word, but he absolutely taught us that everything was alive. And my mom did too, but she was a lot more timid about having those conversations. She was busy doing other stuff. But when I think about being able to be in outdoor space and to some degree, just being in internal space without having to be busy, um, I have memories like this nostalgia for when I could do that as a child, like you're talking, Brandy, about your daughter being able to just run around. I mean, I remember enjoying that like nothing else in my life. I lived for it. It was, it was just absolutely wonderful. And I had adults who, they didn't play into it from a, a childlike perspective and it wasn't necessarily a conversation that we would have around animism but they could validate the experience that I was having by talking about how they experienced those things as alive and so I, I, I kind of go back to that I mean I, I try to take myself back into that mindset from a time space place and give uh, gratitude for those moments and figure out how I can create them here for my own children and for myself, Mm -hmm. honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of worth in, you know, I don't think it's even that we're so much more modernized that we don't get to do that as often as we used to. It's just that we have more in our lives. Um, And, you know, you just, I can't imagine consistently having an entire day where I would just get to wander around and like, you know, snap twigs and pick leaves and just wander around outside in nature. Um, And that's okay. That means I have a whole bunch of other things that fill my life that I, but there too. And like, I'm not outside enough. Mm -hmm. I'm not with my kid enough. I don't take good enough care of my body. I'm not giving it enough attention. I'm not tending the house enough. And I think for me, the guilt is where I, um, I try to look at it as a trigger to allow me to look at the balance, to not look at all of those things as better or worse than the other, but as things that all deserve the attention that I can manageably give them. And looking at where in my life I can make more manageable time to give to any of those things. And seeing it all as animistic. Brandy, I have to admit that when you said about having a whole day of just wandering around, it caught my breath. I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. It, it was very scary for me to think of having a whole entire day like that, which tells me something for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think there's some scariness in the idea of being that still and that disconnected from every other pursuit we have on our plate now, right? I mean... I would automatically reach for a book to take with me, which would immediately sort of remove me from that exact experience we're talking about. It's not that it's not a good thing to, you know, take your book outside, but I, it would give me pause to spend a whole day doing that. And I absolutely did growing up. Mm-hmm. My mom never wanted me in the house. We were outside and we were running and often went inside to get a lunch that went back outside with us. Um, so I used to spend those days that way. And it's funny how it, it, that would be a long, that would be a long day. 
I think for me, it's I'm so ingrained in the habits of what I do and so attached to a schedule of what I need to get done. But that the fact of having that kind of freedom just, it blows my mind. Mm -hmm. I wonder what conversation would unfold with grief, I'm sorry, with guilt itself. And yeah. again, that's kind of the place that I go more from a shamanic standpoint, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, if, if, if animism is everything is alive, then states of being are their own life force. They're their own consciousness independently from ourselves. And one of the ways that I kind of deal with stuff is to let them be personified in my life. If that means trancy or an imagined conversation, then so be it. But um, I think that could be a really educational experience, specifically this vein of guilt. I'm so yes, I can't. I can't even talk. So y'all just keep talking. I want to listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think I want. I mean, I keep transposing grief and guilt, and that's probably not really an accident. No, I think there's an enormous grief in in. I mean, I feel like we could do a whole separate episode on the grief of being a modern animist rather than having a much more intuitive and automatic animistic relationship. I think they are pretty intertwined. And I, um, I mean, in terms of, you know, talking to guilt itself, I talk about that a lot in, you know, in therapy with clients that, that feelings are themselves an entity that you can explore like you know if you can hold that's the importance of feeling them is that you're honoring that they exist and I often encourage that conversation um, whether it's with yourself or more you know personifying that acknowledging grief as it's or guilt now I'm doing it guilt has its own thing to say like you know why are you present in this moment where am I where are you in my body what am I thinking about when you showed up you know, what did I think that sort of prompted you to peek your head in? What can I do to ease? You know, what are you, what are you, ser- what purpose are you serving? Maybe, you know, guilt can be a trigger to compassion for yourself, a reminder, you know, maybe if it's warranted, like it's a reminder to go outside, take your shoes off and stand in the grass, Right. Um, take out your recycling give your body some sunshine, you know, um, or it can be a reminder, you know, to kind of check yourself. And if you don't find any of those things to say, Hey, I don't have to be guilty for existing and being indoors for five, you know, like for a minute, it, it can be a really good check-in, but not a place to live. Could guilt just be a knee jerk reaction that we're not actually guilty. Um, but we feel guilty. I mean, guilt is a feeling. So I, you know, I don't, I don't know that anyone is guilty. So I, you know, guilt is a feeling. Feelings are just feelings. They don't necessarily indicate any truth about us. They just indicate a place that we're standing. And And that's always a good check-in. Right. It carries information that Mm -hmm. one way or the other is telling you something about yourself and how you relate to that moment, that place, that space. For me, there's a lot of information in that. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, we're coming up here on about 25 minutes. So what what could we each offer in terms of, you know, one way to step out of some of the types of, some of the guilt of imperfect animism 
in, in current modern day life? I would ask for its message. I mean, that that's probably my default reaction with, with everything that seems shadow is to just say, you know, what is it you really need me to know? I felt your feeling. What is it you really need me to know? And be willing to act on whatever it says. Mm -hmm. Be willing to, to do or change or be whatever it says. Mm -hmm. And uh, from my perspective, I would, you know, I would say I try to, when I feel that I try to remember that feelings are not facts, mm -hmm. but they are potential informants. So feel it, like you said, Kelly, ask for what is needed around it. Um, and then I look for the next action, even if that action is a deep breath and compassion, um, or if it is an actual poke to, you know, take my butt outside. Um, it can be an opportunity to simply ground myself in what's currently happening and look for where guilt climbed out of um, and spend some time with that. It's a moment. It's it, for me, it's a moment to pause um, and just, you know. I've really hammered it home, but don't live in it. It's an expression of need in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I piggyback on what both of you said, Diddle, to what both of you said, and also to be compassionate and gentle with yourself because it's not, it's not magical. It doesn't happen. One second, you know, it's over with and now you've got a new life. It is a process. And I, I think also, you know, communicate it to other people. Sometimes an outside perspective can offer you an alternative way of doing something if you're feeling guilt around it. It could also offer a reframe where, you know, maybe it's not proportionate to what's happening and someone else's vantage point could offer some comfort or some, some direction or some solidarity, you know, right. like just sometimes I feel that too is a huge amount of comfort. Just, you know, saying something to another person who says, oh, me too. It's the whole point of community. It's the whole point. It's the reason why we're here, right? Right. And I, exactly. I think that's huge. I think what you said, Brandy, is is huge because the, the more you have people around you who they don't have to believe everything you believe. They don't have to have your same experience. It's not even possible to do that. But the more you can just have people who can witness your experience and you theirs and be that kind of tribe to each other I think it makes a huge difference in you know like it or not in validating our experiences as spiritual beings whatever that flavor and just kind of in remembering that humans are part of that experience yeah yeah well said I love it Okay, well, this is a good one. I like this conversation. Um, if anyone has questions or comments or you want to add to the discussion of guilt or you've got a good, um, you know, good reframe or a good suggestion for how you manage it, um, feel free to call in on Anchor. Feel free to message us. Um, you'll hear the, the website at the end here. And uh, thank you, lovely women, for being with me today. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Enjoyed it very much. Take Thanks, good care. everybody. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you'd like more information on Kelly, Brandis, or Janet, or to listen to past episodes of our podcast, get some more information on our resource page, you can find all of those tidbits at everydayanimism.tumblr.com. See you next week.